Listener Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suter. This is a podcast on international politics, international relations, anything that's going on in the world, you know, global pandemics, for example. <laughs> we break down um, certain elements of what is happening around the world and we make it digestible and explain it to you guys, our audience. Thank you for listening. Um, global Truths hosted by Dr. Keith Suter, renowned Australian expert in politics. So very, very well versed on the, all the issues we tackle. My name's Kate Mack. We've worked together for a number of years in the media. Keith, The Office being killed by COVID. Now, I work in an office, but, again, we're only still gradually getting back now and most people won't be working in the office long-term, again, full-time ever. Yep. This is what we're talking about today, right? This is is one of the fallouts from COVID. You know, we're hearing about all the other changes that have been brought about. One bank official told me that COVID had enabled her Australian bank to push through six years of reform in six months. But this particular project deals with The Office, and it's a book by Gideon Haig, who's written 40 books, which I find amazing, and it's called The Momentous, Uneventful Day, A Requiem for The Office. So Gideon Haig is a very successful writer, very productive writer, and he looked at the way in which people, as you've just mentioned, are no longer working so much in The Office and are now working from home. Now, there is a long tradition of people who work from home. The British Prime Minister works from home at 10 Downing Street. The American President works in the White House, and that's an office as well as a residence. And some of the great stately homes in England were both residences but also offices. But what we have seen, if you like, is that if you you think of the 19th century, as the century where the major focus of economic activity was the factory, replacing the farm, which had been around for for millennia. We then get, in the 19th century, the the factory, and in the 20th century, we now get the office. And so young people leaving school, instead of thinking they're going to go to a factory, they then go to an office. And so the argument here is that now we're getting into the 21st century And it may well be that the office is going the same way as the factory. Now, we still do have a few factories around, but they are no longer so significant in the manufacturing sector. And instead, they got replaced by offices, but offices now are in decline. And if you, this is not financial advice, but just think how worrying it must be if you're the owner of a major building, we're sitting in one at the moment, and people say, well, we're not going to occupy so much office space. So it's going to have huge ramifications, particularly if you've got a superannuation fund that invests in office real estate. Is that going to damage your investment prospects? Remember, I'm not giving you financial advice here. I'm not licensed to do that. But it just shows that you've got to think through these long-range implications. But it's true, though, because during COVID there was evidence, and I heard lots of anecdotal evidence of of different places here in Sydney reducing their fees for office spaces and their you know, everything that goes along with that because they just couldn't not find tenants. That's right. So what this book is looking at, it's a, if you like, a sequel to an earlier book that he wrote as a history of the office over the centuries. Uh, That was a very successful book, but it's now out of print. So he's now done this very quick book, which has been published very speedily by Scribe down in Melbourne. So it's called The Momentous, 
uneventful day. Now, the phrase itself comes from an idea about working. So it's actually a novel written in 1885 and talks about people working so hard that, okay, they feel exhausted at the day, but contentedly so. And so people will have worked hard, but they felt they would have achieved something. One of the problems, with, I think, with office work quite often is that you spend a lot of your time shuffling paper or nowadays digits on a screen, but do you get that same sense of achievement that you would do if you're growing food or making widgets? You know, you've got a real sense that you can see the car coming off the assembly line. Whereas if you're working in an office, are you getting that still that same feeling of it being momentous and yet an uneventful day? So that's what good Gideon Haig is writing about. So we're looking at the threats to the office. The office is, is getting smaller. Some people, in fact, no longer have an office. They just have a desk. So then moved from removing the walls in offices The value of that is it helps the air conditioning. It is also supposed to enable people to communicate more easily. You get the random creation of ideas, et cetera. And so you get rid of the office walls. So you end up then with these vast open plan offices. The next development was hot desking, where you don't actually have a a set desk yourself. You just roll up in the morning and just find a space and park yourself on that space and do your your desk. The argument now is that perhaps we're moving into a new era where instead of having to rock up to an office, um, you'll just stay at home. The problem with being at home, as far as I'm concerned, is that you're no longer part of the, the mainstream of the debate that's going on in the office. I actually discourage people from making the most of working from home. But it's interesting how, as he points out, People were predicting the rise of the electronic cottage decades ago. Alvin Koffler talked about the rise of the electronic cottage, whereby instead of going to buildings, all the infrastructure could actually be brought to you and you could do stuff online. And, of course, what we're now getting as part of this electronic cottage is not no longer just an office, but you've also got the rise of the 3D maker economy. In other words, that you'll produce more of your own stuff. So you'll have a machine in the corner into which you'll just pour stuff and then you'll end up being able to produce a new spanner or, I don't know, some food or whatever. This is called the 3D economy, which has its own long-range implications. A great example of the 3D economy is um, a space rocket floating around our heads at the moment. It was up there and they needed to have a particular spanner and... Instead of waiting for the next convoy to get up to the, the space station, they were simply sent the designs for the spanner. They put it into their 3D printer and they printed out a spanner on the spot. The New South Wales Police Commissioner has expressed concerns about people being able to now to produce their own guns. They'll print their own guns at home. 3D printers. 3D printers. So mm. in a sense, therefore, Gideon Haig is, is, is saying, well, Perhaps the demise of the office is part of this broader sweep of things that everything now will go on at home. So that has implications for commuting because some people travel huge distances to get into the workplace. They will be spared that. Indeed, um, I've noticed it's been argued that one of the biggest breakthroughs for efficiency in Australia last year 
was being the reduction of the amount of time spent travelling. So it actually aided Australian efficiency not to have so many people out on the roads or um, or trains because they were working from home. So it's interesting. It's a knife that cuts both ways. This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. We're talking today about the fact that COVID has killed traditional working in the office. And what we've been learning, thank you, Dr Keith, is the fact that factories obviously used to be the main place of work for people. Manufacturing is now done by robots, really, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Yeah, or automation. And then people went to the office and then, well, now the office is sort of dead. Yeah, or the office is now at home. So this is a book that um, I've been reading, Gideon Haig, The Momentous Uneventful Day, published in Melbourne by Scribe, an excellent book, really thought-provoking book, where at the end of it, he's not exactly writing it off entirely, although he did say he produced his book on the kitchen table. But I'm well aware that some people may well be able to have an easy kitchen table to themselves, but not if they have to share it with their children for homeschooling. You're going to get, you've got to get the kids off your hands. This is, all these people who talk about the electronic cottage, you know, learning from home, children will do their education on the screen, etc. No. No. I just don't think you could ever get to that extent. There are so many valuable things, particularly for children, Keith, that come along with going from school, like socialisation. Exactly. Managing stakeholders, you know, that starts really early, figuring out how to get what you need through and relationships exactly. and negotiation. And also the whole issue of culture. So it's yeah. interesting that although Gideon Haig is raising the prospect of the demise of the office, um, he's also keeping open the fact that perhaps you do need to have offices, uh, like, for example, the maintenance of culture within an organisation. So in other words, people get to know they're all singing off the same hymn sheets. They also get to know each other. They get to socialise. And so the office is valuable for that. The reason why I, I think offices are important is uh, my favourite philosopher, Woody Allen, who said that 80% of life is showing up on the day. It's, it, it's just interaction with other human beings, exactly. sense of community, Keith. And people remembering you're around. In other words, when there are jobs to be done, you're standing around, you get handed the job. Any job that you can do from home need not necessarily be done from your home in Australia, but could be done from a home in India at a much lower cost. And remember, we're living now in a society where it's a race to the bottom line. We're trying to squeeze costs out of all of this, which I think is a bad economic philosophy because it then makes us vulnerable to shocks like COVID. But the bean counters are in control and they're the ones who are trying to drive down costs all the time. So if you get people to work from home, they're actually paying your costs. Uh, I was at a, a law office and... Uh, they, they, they actually give money to their staff to create a home office and they've been looking at the receipts and <laughs> one of the lawyers has sent in her bills for toilet rolls because their argument is, well, now I'm spending more time at home. I'm not using your toilet rolls. <laughs> <laughs> Careful what you wish for. Exactly. So it's really quite fascinating if you think through, but what you're doing is transferring the cost, like the electricity that you're running at home, is not the electricity that your own your boss would necessarily be paying, um, and and so what we're seeing then is is this transfer of cost to the worker who stays at home. So there's a cost, in my view, for the worker not being in the swim of things, not socialising, not being seen to be around. 
And secondly, the fact that the boss is there, therefore transferring costs of running the business to the employee. Now, this law firm, to its credit, has recognised that and so has said, all right, we'll pay for your toilet rolls because you're not using ours. But then thirdly, you're going to end up with a whole new industry created dealing with monitoring so that they will want to implant monitors into your seat as well as on your screen to make sure that you're actually doing their work for which they're paying you. So you're, you're not uh, pretending to be working while you're down at the beach or whatever. You are actually at your seat. And this will, of course, encourage, encourage what is called presentism. In other words, that uh, as we see so often in bureaucracies, people just turn up to be present. This is the downside of office working, that you're being paid for being present, not for your output. And so what we will see, I think, is a rise of intrusive monitoring devices for people who, okay, you want to work at home? We want to make sure you're going to be there. We need to have a camera on your computer so we can see that you're working at your computer and we're going to put monitors in your chair to make sure you're sitting on the chair. So this will be, I think, the the next stage along. So it's interesting. Gideon Haig in this book, as I say, the, the subtitle is A Requiem for the Office. But at the end, he's left the way open, I think, for people perhaps to decide, look, it's going to be better if I do work in the office. I get the socialising. I get to have my own visibility. And it's not the boss transferring their costs to my home. They're going to have to put up the cost for my being there. So it's a really, as I say, it's a really stimulating book that this guy um, has produced because, you know, we just take the office for granted. I've lived my life in offices. You know, I, I left school at the age of 15, so I've had 50 years of being in offices. So they're my natural habitat. Um, and so it's very interesting to see the, the office in the historical perspective, and then also to realise that perhaps it's under threat, but then at the end of the day, perhaps people might decide we can find a value for the office, perhaps not going in every day. I think that it seems to be, look, I talk to a lot of people in my place and other workplaces who work in offices, and I think that a lot of people are set in the notion, Keith, that from here on in they'll work in the office two, three days a week type of thing, and then they'll work the other days at home. And the purpose of working those days at home, lack of commute, they can get more things done, they can have a bit of balance, they can go for a walk in the morning, they can go and do a Pilates class in the middle of the day at lunchtime if they need to. You know, it's those sorts of options that they then have. They can pick up their kids from school. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. And um, I think it's just so terribly important that we, we then become much more flexible and allow these hybrid situations. Uh, there is the question, at what point did working from home become living at work? Well, that's the problem because, you know, and again, <laughs> I can attest to that because some mornings, my children are not there, some mornings I'll wake up and I will be on email at 6.30 in the morning so I get up and my email, my computer's set up, it's right there, yep. and then I'll end up doing a really long day because I've just started so early and just kept on going. And that's the value, you know, with the open plan office. Um, not Luckily, I've never had to work in one myself, but I don't know how people manage to concentrate in an open plan. There's so much going on around them. I think fairly some routine tasks might be carried out there, but I think that you do need your own privacy. And, of course, you get that hopefully at home, but not if you're uh, struggling with children for access to the, the kitchen table. But it, it's, let me, so let me just summarise. I think the office is in for a major change. I'm not sure it's going to be dying off entirely. 
So this is a book by Gideon Haig, The Momentous Uneventful Day, published by Scribe. Really very thought-provoking indeed. Listener.